Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 298 of the Love Life Connection podcast. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds again this week. And I'm also really excited to be focusing on money in this episode. Now, obviously, this is not the first time I've talked about money on the podcast. And in fact, last month, I had Brooke on the podcast, and she had a question around money and dating and how to talk about it and some shame around her money situation when it came to dating. So I definitely recommend listening to that podcast for sure. If you are really struggling with stress around money, shame around money, um, I kind of coach her through some things that I'm not going to go quite into as much detail here. This podcast episode I wanted to do because I really just wanted to give you the broad framework of what you can use to kind of just heal your money shit. Because let me tell you, just like it's kind of crappy to, you know, being like codependent, relationship patterns or people pleasing patterns, because it just really wrecks havoc on your worthiness and your emotion to jaw and all that kind of stuff. You know, our money stories can really be very similar, right? Like if you're living under constant stress of money, constant like scarcity, constant like just fear around it, that is so exhausting. And I don't know about you, but that shit will keep me up at night. And while there definitely really is very real fear and things that can come with money, right? Especially if there literally is not enough money in your bank account and you have bills to pay. 
And I'm not really talking about that because to me that feels like a little bit of a different issue than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the money is in your account, you have money coming in, you have a good job, and yet there's still stress, there's still fear, and possibly even shame around money. That is something you don't have to deal with because that is something that is going on inside, inside your head. And you'll notice some similarities between healing your money shit with healing your love stuff. And we'll get into that. All right, before we get started, just two quick announcements. The first thing is my book is still available for pre-order. You can grab You Are Meant for Love wherever you buy books. You can also go to veronicagrant.com forward slash book. We will put that link in the show notes. And in that link will be the links to all the places on the interwebs you can buy the book. So just go there or just search You Are Meant for Love wherever you want to buy the book, and you can buy it in e-reader format, you can buy a paperback, and as soon as the book goes live, which is February 17th, you will either have that book on your doorstep or in your e-reader. And I'm so excited for you to read it. So we really are around the one-week countdown, depending on exactly when you're listening to this episode. Just a reminder, when you do pre-order one, you will get my endless gratitude because pre-orders are so important to authors. It's how libraries and bookstores and whatnot decide which books to purchase. It also affects Amazon rankings, which is incredibly important. So I really appreciate your support in that. And as a thank you, I'm going to be giving away some prizes and fun things to everyone who pre-orders, including coaching with me, as well as like little goodies, candles, um, I've got some other fun little uh, witchy spiritual knickknacks that I'm going to be giving away. And then everyone who pre-orders will be able to come to my workshop in March, which is called Decoding Your Relationships, where I will walk you through how to do the exercise that I take you through in the book so you can figure out your pattern and relationships and then shift it for good. That workshop will go for $49, but it's you get to come for free when you pre-order and it only costs like $10 to pre-order. So, you know, you do the math. So yeah, veronicagrant.com forward slash book pre-order. You have about a week left, depending on exactly when you're listening to this episode. Now, the second announcement that I have is tonight. If you were literally listening to this episode, the day it went live, which is February 10th, 2022, tonight is my brand new workshop and open house. Uh, The workshop is called How to Do the Work. And I'm so, so excited because I'm going to be taking you through the five tenets that I think you need to have in place in order to make all of this kind of inner work, self-lovey, self-care stuff actually tangible and actually integrate into your life so that things actually change right? There's all these like feel good quotes on Instagram. You can do all these things that really have lots of power and benefit like meditation or even buying yourself flowers or bubble baths or whatever self-love, self-care thing you want to do. I'm not saying those things are bad, but a lot of times there's a disconnect between all of these things that you're doing for your personal growth, for your inner work. And yet like you're still like eating a shit sandwich when it comes to your love life, right? So this workshop is really about how to integrate it and create and walk over that bridge so that things actually change and your love life and your money and your career and really any other part of your life that you want to really grow and prosper can do so. Um, It's the same framework, no matter what kind of area in your life that you're wanting to nurture and grow and shift and heal and all that kind of good stuff. So go to veronicagrant.com forward slash do the work. If you want to come live and you're literally listening to this the day the episode was released, then You'll be able to come to the workshop live, which I highly recommend you do because I'll be coaching and answering questions and all that kind of stuff. 
If you are listening to this episode after today, after the 10th, no big deal. I'm going to have the recording available to you until the end of this month, February 2022. So still sign up if you're listening to this on the 17th or the 18th or whatever, you'll still be able to grab the recording. And the workshop is also part workshop and part open house. And the open house part, I'm going to be sharing the three main ways I'm working with clients this year. So those three main ways are deep work, deep love, which is my one-on-one flagship coaching program. The second way is the love incubator, which is my one-on-one program with a group element. This is something I've been running every year since 2016, 2017. So five years going in, I'm super excited about this year's cohort. And then the third thing that I'm going to be talking about is my brand new one-on-one program, which is called Love Coach On Demand. And the reason why you might want to sign up for the workshop and get the information in the open house is because if you have been thinking about working with me, if it's been on your wish list for a while, or maybe you actually haven't even thought about it, but you're listening to this today and thinking, huh, why not me? Then this open house is going to give you all the information that you need about the three options that you have this year to work with me, including the most affordable ways to work with me. So that includes introductory pricing as well as extended payment plans so that I can make it super accessible to as many people as humanly possible. That really is my goal with sharing this open house with you and with just, you know, expanding and and differing the ways that I work with clients one-on-one. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash do the work, come live or listen to the recording through the end of the month. And then also stay tuned for the open house portion of the workshop where I'll again share with you the three ways I work with clients this year as well as, you know, you can get in on that introductory pricing, extended payment plans, all that kind of stuff. So it's as affordable as possible. The extended payment plans, introductory pricing, all that kind of good stuff is also good through the end of February. So again, if you're listening to this a week late, two weeks late, whatever, uh, you still have got some time. All right, so let's get to today's episode. Like I said, I'm super excited about it. I think I've said it on the show before, but I really do think that this is true. If I wasn't doing love coaching, I think I would definitely do some sort of like spiritual money, personal finance coaching. I don't know, maybe it's my Venus in Capricorn, my sun in Capricorn. I just, I really love thinking about money, talking about money, getting creative with how to plan out and budget money so that it can really support you and um, support you and how you want to live and what you want your life to look and feel like. Because like it or not, we do live in a society where you need money. And most of us have to work to earn that money. And I think because money is so tied to value, I mean, literally, like you can have a dollar amount in your in your bank account, that is a number. And there's a value that we, I guess, as society somewhat have decided that a dollar is worth this much, and then $100 is worth that much or whatever. And so it, it is very easy to get your self worth and your worthiness wrapped up in whatever that dollar amount is. And when it is like that, it can just really, really wreak havoc on you know what I was talking about at the top of the show, which is really just creating some stress and some shame and some anxiety around money. And again, I know that there is some privilege in this conversation. I also know that there really is very real, you know, anxiety around money when the numbers are just simply not adding up and the money's not there for the bills that you have to pay. Again, that's not what I'm talking about in this episode. If that is your situation, I'm not saying you can't learn anything from this episode. I think you definitely can, but just know that there's going to be some other things that are going to have to be going on for you that is beyond the scope of 
this episode. So I want to talk to you about my four-part framework on how to heal your money shit. <laughs> now, I uh, I didn't say that in the uh, title of this episode. I don't know how iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever would like that. I use money blocks because I think it's a phrase that people understand. I, I, I struggle to use the word blocks a little bit. I talk I actually do talk about it in the book a little bit. I define what I mean by block because I do sometimes think that block, like the, the idea like, oh, you have love blocks or money blocks or whatever blocks can actually be a little manipulative by people in my industry. So for me, what a block is, is you learn something when you were a child and you learn that that is just how the world works, but maybe the thing that you learned isn't universally true or even true at all, but you're still operating as if that thing was true. So for example, I'll talk, I'll give you a money example. I've given you tons of relationship examples in this podcast. So I'll give you a money example. So for example, when I was little, I learned that there was never enough money. And I'm going to talk about this more when I get to the framework in the first part of the framework. But basically, I learned that there was never enough money. And so I learned to be constantly stressed about money, no matter how much money was actually in the bank account. And so that becomes a block because it's not actually true that like I am one step away from literally being homeless, right? That's just not true. That is just simply not my reality. And yet a lot of times my anxiety and my fear, especially in the past, could feel like that. And so that's a block, right? This thing is just, it's just not true. Um, Another one was that money is bad. Um, If you have a lot of money, it's greedy, Money is just like evil, makes you do bad things. Are there people who have a lot of money and do bad things with their money or selfish with their money and, you know, let the world just go to shit or like shoot like penis rockets off to them to wherever (laughs) and, you know, don't solve real problems here on earth? Sure. Yeah, those people certainly exist, but that's not because the money is bad or evil. And so the action could be that, you know, I wouldn't want to get like a high paying or a corporate job, or I'd even sabotage my income and my business because having too much money is bad. So there's like a certain threshold of how much money was, quote unquote, okay, or good to have. But beyond that, you know, then we're getting into unethical territory. The truth is, it's like there's tons of people have tons of money that do great things with money. So it's just not universally true that money is bad, money is evil, or that you're greedy or wrong or whatever for wanting or having more money. Okay, so that's what I mean by a block. So now that we have that under our belt, let's get back to the four-part framework to clear your money blocks. So I say this is a four-part framework, but it's not like a step one, two, three, four, right? So I might call them steps by accident because that's just... (laughs) kind of the lingo that's in my head. But you might start with part one and then go to part three, then back to part two, jump to part four, back to part one. So it really is more of just a framework and you might need to bounce around a little bit and and kind of figure out where you need to spend some time to heal some of this money stuff. So the first part of the framework is money inner child work. Now, this shouldn't be surprising based on how I define what a block is, also based on the kind of work that I do on this podcast and with clients. But just like how inner child wounding and core wounds and all that kind of stuff can lead to blocks and unhealthy patterns and even toxic patterns in love and relationships and dating, the same is absolutely true when it comes to your money. 
whether money was talked about or not when you were growing up, there were things that you learned about it. Sometimes you learned by omission, like by what was not said, and sometimes you learned by the things that were said. So when I was talking about or when I was defining the word block, I shared a couple examples of mine. But for me, I learned that one, like there's never enough money. You always have to be stressed about money. Now, did my mom literally sit me down and say, now, Veronica, just so you know, you always have to be stressed about money. <laughs> no, that that was never a conversation, at least to my recollection, that happened. But I learned that through behavior. Now, what's interesting to me is I thought we were poor when I was growing up. Because, I mean, I'm five or I'm 10, maybe a 10-year-old kind of get some ideas. But when I'm a really young kid, like, how, how would you know, right? You don't have a frame of reference. You don't really understand the concept of rich or poor or what money is, or what it means, or any of that kind of stuff. And just kind of the feeling I got around money, I just thought that we were poor, and we were most certainly not poor. And it took a while for me to really unhook from this scarcity of like, one wrong move, or one bad month, or one bad whatever, and I'm going to be living on the street. It's never been my reality, even when my family did actually do go through some financial changes when my mom unexpectedly lost her job. We were really so far from ever needing to or having to live on the street and being homeless. Now, do we have to change some things? Sure. But it was beyond even just that one experience that we went through that really created the story of just money just being this thing to fear. I also learned that having money was was bad. And it was in very different ways from both my mom and my dad. My dad was more of like doctors and lawyers or scammers can't trust them all in it for the money. And then my mom was more of like, if you have money, it's bad to show it or it's bad to, you know, have anything that's like lavish or whatever. Um, obviously, this is both of my parents own stuff. But it became my stuff until I had to decide to, well, first I had to recognize that it was there and it was operating some of the behaviors that I was taking. And also it, you know, it really affected me emotionally. So I think one thing that would have been different for me had I not had these money blocks, especially in college, you know, I remember you know, hanging out with friends who were like going into the medical route or going on the business route or, or whatever, you know, routes that had traditionally more money at the other end of your degree, I just would always think like, gosh, they just must be horrible people. And I thought they were so nice, but they just want to make money. That's all they care about. Like, gosh, like I actually judged them for that, where I was very much going into like the political route and the nonprofit route. And obviously, there are people who make money in those areas, but it's not really overall known for stellar salaries. And I just thought that not that I thought that I was better, but I just thought, well, you know, I I just don't understand. Like, I was just so confused by all of my friends and all these people that I was meeting in college that were, oh, I don't know, getting degrees that actually, you know, would pay you something at the (laughs) other on the other side of college. I think looking back, I would have done something very different in college had I not had this block. So that's, again, that's just one way that, you know, beliefs you have from childhood could absolutely affect choices that you make, habits that you have, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to go too much more into inner child work. I talk a lot about inner child work on the show. You can basically listen to any episode I have around inner child work and do the same thing with with money, right? Or inner child work as it relates to your love life. You can do the same thing with money. So in a, with a client, and actually I did this with, um, with Brooke. So that's why if you do want to dive into this a little bit more, I do recommend listening to that episode. But essentially it's like, okay, well, how do you feel when you think about your bank account or when you think about money? What's the feeling? Where do you feel that in your body? Or what's the belief that comes up or the thought that comes up? 
And then what does that remind you of? Or who does that remind you of? Or where have you heard that before? And then from there, you know the drill. You do the inner child work from there so that you can begin to unhook yourself and clear those stories so that you can make choices that's coming from a place of, how, well, how is this actually going to support me? How does this actually, how, am I, how can I make a choice that actually will lead me to the kind of life with my money that that I want. And so then this gets to part two of the framework, which is really around money values and what is enough or what is, I've heard the word sufficient use. And I really do like that word as as well. So this is actually, at least in my opinion, one of my favorite parts to work around with money because I really, really, okay, so let me just back up for a second. When I first graduated grad school, I literally had no money. Well, I had like a few thousand dollars in the bank account and that was pretty much it. And that was basically my leftover student loan money. So it wasn't even mine. So I I had negative money, right? I was lucky I had a great job. So I was able to pay it off pretty quickly and then save some money and blah, blah, blah. But one thing that I did when I first graduated is I read a book by Susie Orman. And listen, I love Susie Orman. I think she's wonderful. I think she's done a lot of amazing things. People love the nine steps to financial freedom. I don't know if I read that particular book from her, but I read another book. I think she has great advice. But the one thing that she does, and this is kind of like her message is like, you can't afford anything like budget, 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 don't buy your $2 or $5 latte. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's a waste of money. Add up all those lattes throughout the year and look how much money you've spent. You could have put that in your 401k. Like that's very much her message and her persona. And that actually caused me a lot of stress. And I felt like I could never afford anything. And I felt like, well, I just need, you know, when I had this new job, I felt like I just needed to save as much money as humanly possible. And so I had a budget, but like I was putting so much money into savings or paying off my student loans that like I wasn't allowing myself any money to like, just enjoy my life. And so then it just kind of became like this internal turmoil. I'm like, oh, I really want to join this yoga studio or I want to go out to dinner with my friends, but I can't afford it. What? Yes, I can afford it. I'm just putting like so much money more than I probably can, quote unquote, afford into my savings to where I'm not able to enjoy my life. And so then I found another personal finance kind of expert, whatever you want to call him, guru. It's this guy named Ramit Sethi. And I think he is so, so brilliant. He has a book called I will teach you to be rich or I'll teach you how to be rich. I can't recommend it enough. It's my favorite, favorite personal finance book. He also has a great Instagram account. Really, really informative. A lot of courses too, but honestly, I mean, depending on what you want, you know, the book can be really, (laughs) can, can be enough. Anyways, one thing he talks about, he calls it money dials, and that is spending generously and heavily where you, in areas of your life that you value and then cutting ruthlessly in areas that you just don't care. And so- for example, so for me, you know, I was like, well, I really love taking exquisite care of myself. I want to be able to go to a yoga studio. I want to be able to buy organic food. I want to be able to get massages from time to time. I want to be able to hire coaches and other healers, go to acupuncture, all that kind of stuff. So I spend generously in that area of my life. But in other areas of my life, I'm just like, meh. You know, I don't really care for clothes. Like I just, I typically, even before the pandemic, I typically just wear yoga pants and some t-shirt. And so I will go, you know, every once in a while, buy a nice pair of yoga pants that will literally last me a few years. I have found that if I go too cheap with like the Target yoga pants, then like I'm having to buy 
new pants like every six months. But if I get a nicer pair of yoga pants, then I don't have to buy anything for a couple years. And that's kind of my philosophy with clothes. Like I will invest in a few pieces that I do need, um, like a nice jacket or winter boots or whatever. But then I will wear those things for years, uh, for a really long time. And so so that's one way I, you know, I think about my money. I also want to be able to be generous. So, you know, if I see someone's, you know, aunt is like in the hospital with a rare condition and no health insurance, there's like a GoFundMe, then I just want to be able to give money to that and not and not think about it. If I'm going out with a friend, we haven't seen each other in a long time, we're having a really nice conversation, it's just really fun to see, like, I just want to be able to take care of the bill and not stress about it. So these are things that I really want to spend good money on. Um, I want to be able to go on one to two family vacations a year. Obviously, COVID has, you know, changed that a little bit has changed the math there a little bit. But other than that, you know, I'm really good with, you know, my, I I like to decorate my home, but I don't really buy expensive pieces. Um, Mostly when my husband and I travel, we just pick up things along the way. And then our so our house, our decor just looks really eclectic. Um, He makes a lot of stuff just because he genuinely likes to. So we actually do save a lot of money on furniture that way. And again, like we'll buy like a couch, but I'm not trying to spend like, you know, $8,000 on a designer couch, we'll just I'll get the cheapest thing that will work and be functional for us. But you might be the other way around, like you might love like just really wonderful decor and just really want to just make your home like a million dollar sanctuary. And if that's you, then freaking do it. I also don't spend a lot of money on concerts or events. I just don't really care to I won't probably go to like if they're like if a winery or a bar is having an event and it's going to cost like 20 bucks to go. Like I just don't spend money there. Not to say that I wouldn't, you know, go out to eat or go to a winery or something like that. Like, of course, I do have some money for that, but I don't love to do it a lot. Mostly because again, I do want to spend my money elsewhere. I would call that like a medium dial, like I medium care about it, right? Like I do enjoy it, but I don't want to do it so much that I just feel like there's just like hundreds of dollars. And like, where the hell did that all go? Like, to me, that just doesn't feel like fun. So where do you want to spend your money? And where do you not want to spend your money? And I think that this can just be and and then the next piece of the framework will help you kind of figure out well, what does that actually mean? Because like, you may not have limitless money that you can spend even in the areas that you do want to spend generously. But I do think when you begin to think about this, then I think you can begin to see how money can actually help you feel how you want to feel in your life and have the life you want to live. Because I think that when we're like, oh, well, I can't afford this, or I can't do that, or I can't do that, then we're giving money this power, right? And, you know, I've gotten to a point with money that I can pretty much buy whatever I want. Now, I don't mean meaning like, oh, I can just go get a private jet. Like, I just don't have those kind of funds to go get myself a private jet or even to charter a private jet. But it's also just not really something that I want, you know, but like, even if there's something that's a little bit more expensive that I want to invest in, I might have to save up for a little bit, I might have to like, rethink some things or recalibrate some where I'm spending money. And it's just a really good feeling because for so, so long in my life, like money just had this like power over me that I couldn't afford anything. It was wrong to buy things. It was wrong to have money. It was wrong to have a good job. It was wrong to, or to have a good job that, or a good job that paid you good money. Like all of these things were just wrong and bad. And so it was just constantly stress. And then every time I took my credit card out, 
even if it was to buy something that I freaking needed, like groceries, you know, it was just so stressful. And it was, it's actually really funny. For a long time, I drank black coffee, just completely straight, no sugar, no cream, milk, anything, nothing. And gosh, someone asked me, I forget who asked me like, how do you, why do you like black coffee? That's so gross. And honestly, I, I can't drink straight coffee like that now. But what's funny is I answered this person, I don't remember who it was. And the reason that I started drinking black coffee is because I wanted to cut my spending so much that I just stopped buying cream for my coffee. And I just thought, well, to save money, I'll just drink black coffee. Again, I'm not saving money so that and, and, and choosing to not buy cream so that I can pay my light bill or my electric bill, right? I'm not buying the cream because I'm just trying to mindlessly, ruthlessly with no end to, you know, cut spending. And the truth is, is that, you know, I, I grew to kind of like black coffee because I just drank it so much I got used to it. And it's okay now, I guess, but I much prefer cream and even a little bit of sugar. And now it's just so funny to think about. It. Anyways, I just want to share that story because I just think it's kind of funny, kind of interesting. So, you know, what feels sustainable, what feels sufficient, what feels like enough for me, you know, it might change. It already is changing a little bit because not, not a little bit, but a lot because we have a child and we have another child that's going to make, you know, the size of our house and the number of bedrooms and the number of bathrooms needed change, especially, you know, if we have more kids or, you know, as, as Marshall gets older. So this can change. It's not like you have to set it and then forget it and then ever think about where you want to spend your money and where you don't want to spend your money in your life. It's something you might want to revisit probably every year or so. Um, I talked a little bit about around my birthday season, about how your solar return can be like a personal new year, a personal up-leveling. So that could be a really great time to be like, hmm, where am I spending my money? How do I want to spend my money? Or you can, if you are into astrology, you can look at when um, you can hire an astrologer or look on a, just look up your chart and figure out when Venus is going to be transiting through your second house, which is your second house of money. That would be a really great energetic time to look at your money and review. We just got out of a Venus retrograde. So that was definitely a great time. We're still in the retrograde shadow. So there still might be some of this energy of wanting to review where you're spending your money, where you want to spend your money, where you don't want to spend your money, all that kind of stuff. So, okay, let's get to the third part of the framework because I'm kind of, I'm treading lightly onto the word that third part of the framework is. So I just want to dive right in. So once you have figured out your money values, where you want to spend your money, where you don't want to spend your money, then you want to think about having, I'm going to say it, the B word, you want to think about having a budget. Okay, now some people are just going to want to turn me off right now. Please, please listen. A budget can give you so much freedom. And it's less about a budget and it's more about every penny having a purpose, okay? So, you know, back in the day before I had set my money values and where I wanted to spend my money and where I didn't want to spend my money and then before I cleared all my money story and my money blocks and all that kind of stuff, as I've shared so far in this podcast, every time I spent money, I would just feel so stressed and not even just stressed, I would feel guilty. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Guilty. I'd be like, oh, God, I shouldn't spend this money. I shouldn't spend this money. Again, even if it was something necessary like groceries and I even started cutting stupid things out like cream or creamer or whatever, you know, just to save a buck or two. I mean, I don't know. I guess it was like three bucks. I don't know how much cream costs these these days. I actually don't use creamer now. We use oat milk, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. So what having a either budget or if you want to think about it as every penny has a purpose, what that allows you to do, at least what it allowed me to do and what I've noticed my clients, it's allowed them to do because I've worked with them, you know, through this framework is it helps you to just feel not so goddamn guilty all the time and, and shame or stress around money. So let's say you have a job and you know about how much money you get. So I'm, I say about because maybe like it's tied to an hourly rate or maybe it's commission based. So it fluctuates or maybe you just get a straight up check every single month or every other week or whatever. And that would make it a little bit easier because then you, you know, you already have that, um, have that decided. But what you would do is you would just say, okay, this is the total amount of money that I get every month. And then first, obviously, you have to take out the things that are just, you got to pay the bills, your rent slash mortgage, any car payment, car insurance, health insurance, all that kind of stuff, right? And then from there, you see how much money you have left over. And then here is where I think it gets really fun and where you can get really creative on your money dials and your money values. And I like having not necessarily like a budget, like I'm going to spend $10 here, $20 here, $50 here, but it's more of like, it's kind of like the envelope method where you just put money in an envelope and then that's how much money you have to spend. So let's say you have just a certain amount of money that you set aside every month and this is your self-care budget. So this is money that you would spend working with the coach or, um, astrologer or getting a massage or whatever. Or let's say you put a little bit of money every month away for travel. That's what I do because I really love travel. And so over time, obviously, that account grows because I just put a little away every single month. Maybe you really love going to do things. You love going to concerts. You love going to shows. You love going to like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So instead of like, okay, this costs this much, I'm going, to, I'm going to go to this and then this and then this, and then you budget that all out. You just say, nope, this is just about how much money I'm going to allow myself to, or I can, you know, I can give myself, you know, towards this area of my life. What I also really like is I use mint.com. And what's really cool about mint is it allows you to have these budgets that will last you know, over the course of a few months. So for example, um, so let's say for your self-care budget, you're going to give yourself $100 into that bucket or to that budget or to that envelope, however you want to think about it. But let's say one month you only spend $50 on your self-care. So then the next month that budget can roll over. And so now you have $150 to spend because you didn't spend $50 a month before. So mint.com helps you to 
track all of that, which I really, really love. Because for me, like I do have some money that I set aside every month for clothes. But like I said, I don't really buy that many clothes that often. And so it's a pretty small number, like I think it's like 50 bucks. And like that doesn't really buy you that much you know, especially if you're buying nicer pieces less often. So if I just have in my budget, I'm going to set aside $50 every month, I don't literally have to go to my account and be like, okay, that $50 is for clothes, but Mint will just track this for me. So if I don't spend any money on clothes for like four months, which is very possible (laughs) in my world, then after four months, I'm actually going to have about $200 that I can spend because I haven't spent $50 in four months. And so now I can buy that you know, that new winter coat that I needed, or if I needed to like replace some yoga pants or t-shirts because they're running, you know, getting holes or whatever, you know, then I can do that. And I know that I've got 200 bucks to, to spend. And what I really like about knowing where every penny goes is a couple things. One, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in the next framework or piece of the framework, but I do think that money is energy. And so I think that when our money, every penny has a purpose, then it's just, you're just putting it out into the world that like, yes, this penny is for that. This penny is for that. This amount of money is for that. And it just really helps you have more ownership and sovereignty around your your life. And so I think there's a lot of power and I also a lot of magic in that as, as well. And the other thing, and I think this is the most important thing, when every penny has a purpose, you will feel so much less guilt around your spending. Okay, so again, going back to what I've shared, everything just I constantly felt guilty every time I pulled out my credit card, again, even if it was like something that I needed to spend money on, like a freaking electric bill or grocery item, right? Everything just brought out a debilitating feeling of of guilt. But when I got clear on where I wanted to spend my money and what brought me joy and what brought me happiness and what brought me, you know, just feeling into how I want to feel in my life, and what didn't. So first I got clear on that. And then I did just, it was like a puzzle piece, just doing the math and like putting it together. How can I make this work for me with what my financial reality is right now? I no longer felt guilty, right? Like I didn't feel guilty about joining the yoga studio. I don't remember how much it costs at the time, to be honest, but I didn't feel guilty because I knew that I had the money to join this yoga studio. And also I had the money to pin into my 401k, to max out my Roth, to still put money aside for travel, you know, to still pay the bills that I needed to pay. And so it just freed up so much of that energy, so much of that like staleness and stuckness. And to be totally honest, this created a really strong masculine container for my money right? So I talk a lot about in the show, feminine and masculine. God, there's a million episodes about that. Maybe we'll put a couple in the show notes if you're interested in listening more. But basically, like masculine energy is the energy of structure, it holds the space for something. And then feminine energy is the energy within that. So like, if you're thinking of a water glass, for example, um, the actual glass is the masculine energy, and then the water inside is the feminine energy. The energy can just be totally static and still if the glass is, you know, still, or you can slosh it around and the feminine energy, you know, the water inside will start sloshing around. So basically, feminine energy will take up the space that masculine energy gives it, right? And so 
when you're trying to manage your money, but you don't have like the sacred masculine, you don't have this budget or framework that you want to work within, then like the feminine energy, the water just kind of goes everywhere and it just becomes a big mess. And so you're spending a bunch of money there and you accidentally get yourself into debt or spend all your money and you're spending a bunch of money there or then you feel guilty about not spending money because or you can't spend money or you don't want to spend money because it's all there and it's all here. You know what I mean? Like it's just all over the freaking place right? But when you can create some sacred structure, some masculine structure around this is where I spend my money. This is where I don't spend my money. This is where I need to spend my money because I need to have a roof and I need to have heat and I need to have food, all that kind of stuff. Then the areas that you do spend your money, it's just like that free flowing feminine energy, right? Like if something just really speaks to me, if there's a coach that I really just resonate with, or if there's, I don't know, like whatever I want to spend my money on, like a yoga studio or a yoga class or wherever, like I have that, that freedom to do so, but it's only because the masculine energy is in place. And again, the masculine energy, we think of it sometimes as deranged masculine. So it's not control. It's not greed. It's not this energy of more, 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 more. That's more of like toxic masculinity, like that toxic capitalism, all that kind of stuff. Masculine energy is really just energy of structure. And the more you can add that to your financial well-being or your personal finances, and I think the more flow and freedom you will feel with the feminine aspect, which is the actual act of spending the money or directing the money towards a savings account or towards your Roth or whatever, whatever, whatever. And then finally, the last piece of the framework is just kind of like the icing on top. And that is just spending and earn, earning money as an energetic exchange. And there's a couple of things that I want to talk about here. I really do believe that money is just energy. I don't think money itself is inherently good or bad. It's just like you turn on a light switch and there's energy that goes to the light that like poosh, makes the light turn on and you know you can see <laughs> the light and the, the heat and the warmth and all that kind of stuff. And that's really what money is as well. Like the energy that is making that light turn on, it's not good or bad. It's just an energetic force. And I do think that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of benefit in seeing money as that as well. Because when you see money as good or bad, or having like this intrinsic value attached to it, it can correct a lot of havoc in your life. One, if you believe that money is bad or evil or a necessary evil or whatever, you can do things like what I did, which is kind of sabotage myself, especially early on in my business, as well as not even making possibly some of the choices that I would have made, you know, as a college student, um, or even my early to mid 20s, you know, because I just thought, well, having a job that wasn't basically at a nonprofit just meant you were greedy and bad. (laughs) And that's just simply, simply not true. But had I had a more neutral attitude towards money and like, okay, I can choose to just, I can choose like a nonprofit job, right? Like that is a choice that I can make or, or a career that does, you know, traditionally historically have less money or less salary. I can choose that, but it would be coming from my own, own inner sovereignty, my own inner knowing my own inner, like, this is what I want to do. This is the choice that I'm still making versus like, oh, well, I can't do this other thing because money is bad, right? That's actually really outsourcing my decision making and outsourcing my power. And so I think this happens a lot. Even, you know, if you're well beyond college years and figuring out your career, I think this can still happen consciously and a lot of times unconsciously, even in 
middle or late stages of your career. Maybe there are job opportunities you're not looking at or promotions you're not asking for or raises you're not asking for because of some just some old money stories. You know, maybe there's some sort of belief where you don't deserve to make that kind of money. Maybe you came from a family that always was a little short on money. And so people who make a lot of money, those are other people. That's not you, right? But like, according to who? Why can't it be you? Do you know what I mean? So there might be some internal programming around that that's just keeping you stuck or keeping you at a lower dollar amount than you really can have. And to be clear, like, I don't like this whole idea of like, if you're in business for yourself, charging your worth or asking for your worth, if you're like, you know, asking for your, you know, a salary or or a raise or whatever, because like, honestly, like all life is, you know, invaluable. There's no dollar amount (laughs) that you can put on it. So I want to get outside of that framework because I think that's super, super toxic, super, uh, what else? It can just be, yeah, I just, I just, I, I don't like it. But again, that doesn't mean that, the skill or the experience that you have like in a marketplace, yeah, there is a value on that. That's not your worth or your inherent worth, um, but there certainly can be a value on your skills and your expertise and your experience and your education and all that kind of stuff. And you can certainly, you know, do a price increase for, you know, again, if you have a business or ask for more money, if you have, um, you know, if, if you have more skills and experience to offer a company, but this is all about just seeing it as an energetic exchange, like, is the energy that you're putting into the work that you do, getting returned to you in dollar amounts. And I think if a lot of us are being honest, you know, the answer would be no. And that would likely be because there is some story that we're telling ourselves about money, about what it means to ask for money. Does it make you greedy? Does it make you bad? Does it make you only in it for the money? Like whatever that story is. And then can you unhook yourself from wherever that story came from so that you can really have, you know, a career or a business or whatever that supports you. The other thing that I want to say about that is a lot of times there is this, especially with millennials. um, I think this is like a millennial generation thing. I don't know about Gen Z. Um, and it might have spilled over into some Gen Xers, especially younger Gen Xers. I do think that there is this belief that your the way you make money has to be tied to your passion. And I don't think that's true at all. And I know that feels a little uh, a little rich coming from someone who's doing this kind of work. And I think it can be, right? And And if that's what you really, really want, then I think that's great. I'll give you an example. My husband... Uh, his passion is not, it's, it's not an engineering, you know, he works for the mint, he prints or mints coins and money. Uh, before that, he was working at the BEP where they make bills. So the dollar bills, $20 bills, whatever. He likes doing it. He enjoys it. He's good at it and makes good money. Ha ha ha. That was a good joke. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> oh, God, I make my I crack myself up sometimes. But anyways, that's not his passion right? He loves woodworking. He might actually start selling some furniture. I don't even know that I would call that his passion. I just think he likes doing it. Maybe he would. I don't know. I can ask him. Um, But I think what his real passion is, his real passion is growing your own food, cooking your like healthy, easy meals that are super accessible, not complicated, but include fresh ingredients that are mostly vegetarian. Like he's really, really passionate about that. Um, Does he make money, you know, on that passion? Not at all. 
Um, however, he expresses that passion through other ways. Like he does most of the cooking for Marshall. He does most of the, he cooks most of my food. He really enjoys it. It's something that he's enjoyed. I mean, he has been cooking for his family literally since he was a kid. His mom told me stories about him cooking food for the family when he was like 10 or 11. So he's been doing it for a really, really long time. Um, will it ever be a way that he makes some money or all of his money? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but for right now, he's really enjoying you know, making healthy food, fun food for Marshall. And Marshall's already super interested in watching him cook. Obviously, he's way too young to help, but he loves watching him cook. He has his own play kitchen. And so if he can transfer this value of growing your own, not all of your food, but growing some of your food and cooking food and being healthy and fun and all that kind of stuff and accessible, and he just passes it on down to his children, like, I really do think, and again, I'm speaking for him, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really do think in a lot of ways that that would be enough for him. Like that would, he's, again, he's super passionate. So I I don't want you to think that you have to have your passion tied to your, how you make money. I also think that your purpose and your passion are not necessarily the same thing. The thing is, is that like, if you're a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher or a nurse, or, you know, you have a profession in something that's a little bit more traditional you know, I don't want you to think that like you have to quit your job and do something that you're quote unquote more passionate about, or maybe you really are passionate about, you know, the work you do in those jobs. And if that's you, that's, that's totally cool. But I think that like, we need people who are doing this kind of work in all industries. So like, maybe your purpose really is, is to bring <laughs> the light, bring this kind of uh, inner kind of work to these careers and, and areas of our world that are more not just masculine, but also kind of toxic. Do you know what I mean? And maybe that's the purpose. I have no idea. I'm not saying that's what it is. But I just think we have to sometimes really untie some of passion slash purpose slash money, because it doesn't necessarily all have to be connected. And also kind of going along with that, it still is an energetic exchange, because maybe you make okay, so for example, I had a client who she was an actuary. Um, Actuaries make great great money. If you just want a way to make a crap ton of money, I mean, it's really hard. You have to take a lot of tests. She was constantly, seemed really hard, whatever. She's making a lot of money. And she considered quitting her job to do some of this coaching work. Now, are there coaches out there who make just buku's amount of money? Of course there are, but those are more of like the celebrities, right? Like every actor or actress who goes to Hollywood isn't going to make like Reese Witherspoon level of money, right? A lot of people are just going to be making a good living. You know, that's, that's the reality. Anyways, so we were talking about this. And, you know, I was trying to kind of get to the bottom of like, you know, why she wanted to do this. And um, I think it was because of like this passion and money and like it, that being kind of intertangled. I'm like, listen, you know, with the job that you have now, you have extra money to where if you want to go on these retreats, or if you want to hire other coaches and or work with me and do all these things, like, you have money to do that. But if you quit and start a job, I'm not saying or start your business, I'm not saying you can't make money to afford that. But like, it's going to be a shift. And you may not be able to do some of these things that you are actually really passionate about right now, there might be a time in your life or a period of time where you have to let some of that go. And that might be fine, that might be the choice. But like, you have to be really clear about what your money is allowing you to do. And so maybe you do have a job that just makes great money. It's not necessarily your passion. Um, or maybe it's not even your purpose, but maybe it is funding your passion or it's funding your purpose. And that's really the point that I'm trying to make. So just to recap really quickly, the four 
pieces of this or the four parts of this framework to uh, healing your money shit, as I like to say, is doing the inner child work around money, getting clear around what is sufficient, your money values, where you want to spend your money, where you don't want to spend your money. The third piece is actually where does the money go? So creating some sort of budget or masculine, like sacred masculine uh, structure so that then the money can just go free where, you know, and channel it where it needs to go. Again, sometimes that's going to be bills. Sometimes it's going to be like wonderful things like yoga studios or um, sushi. (laughs) I spent a lot of money on sushi. I probably need to rein that in actually. But uh, anyways, and then the fourth piece of the framework is, you know, spending and earning, earning money as an energetic exchange. So how can, you know, how you spend your money feel like an energetic exchange like, okay, I am spending this amount of money so that I can get this thing in my life that adds value that adds to how I want to feel in my life. And then how you want to earn money, your money might be tied to your passion and or your purpose. And that's totally cool. It might not but it might be funding your passion or your purpose. And I think again, we can get clear on where that exchange is. It's just so much easier. Anyways, so I hope this episode was helpful for you. I hope you liked it. I would love to hear your feedback um, in my DMs, email, however you want to get in touch with me is great. I'm Veronica E. Grant over on Instagram, by the way. And you know, the reason also that I wanted to share this episode with you right now is because like I said, at the beginning of this episode, over the next few weeks until the end of February, this will be by far the most affordable time to sign up to work with me one-on-one if that's something that you're interested in doing um, this year. And listen, like I said, like if you're literally, the numbers aren't adding up and it's just not, money is just not working for you right now, um, you know, with bills and all that kind of stuff, then like I, I do not want you to this is probably the time to hire a coach. I do not want you to put yourself in any kind of stress or think, oh, it's just my money mindset. Like, no, there's probably some other things going on that need to be worked on in your life first. But if you know that you have the money and also you are wanting to put some time and energy and yes, the money behind wanting to really heal some of the stuff around your love life or just the things that we hold value in our lives like money, then, um, you know, I hope that by going through this framework, even if it's just in your head as you're listening through, can help you see like, oh, like my own money stuff is holding me back from healing because I have this belief that like I can't spend the money or I shouldn't spend the money or it's wrong to spend the money on working with someone like Veronica or another coach or program that you've been eyeing. You know, and the other reason that I wanted to share this with you is because a lot of my clients do heal their money stuff when we work together. You know, again, I'm not like a money mindset coach or, a, you know, this is not necessarily where I focus my, you know, energy or the, my content, my podcast, all that kind of stuff. But again, like we live in a society where we often get our you know, our worthiness is often tied to how much money we have. And then also our relationship status. I'm not saying your worthiness is actually tied to that. Please, please hear me correctly. Your worthiness is inherent. But we do live in a society where our worthiness appears to be attached to our relationship status and the amount of money in our bank account. And so almost by default, when we do this work around love and our relationships and dating and all that kind of stuff, it inadvertently heals a lot of the money stuff because it is very similar. You know, it's no accident that Venus, for example, in astrology rules both money and relationships, because even though they're different things, they're very much tied to value and how we derive our worth. So, you know, if you are interested in working with me, or if we do work together, you know, 
through this year, just know that this will definitely be or most likely be something that we talk about, especially if you have your own business or you're wanting to grow in your career, because we've got to work through this shit if you want to make that happen. So again, the link to get to the workshop, how to do the work is veronicagrant.com forward slash do the work. If you are listening to this episode a little bit late, not to worry, the recording will be available through the end of this month, February 2022. And then all of the extended payment plans, deals and everything going on with how you can work with me this year, all of that will be um, available as well through the end of February. Now, I will be taking clients rolling throughout the end of throughout the year, of course. I'm just talking about like the introductory pricing, the extended payment plans, all that kind of stuff. That's only going to be available through the end of this month, February 2022. But I talk about that in the open house, which is at the end of the workshop. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash do the work. That link is also in the show notes, as well as all the other links and podcasts and things that I mentioned in this episode. All right, my dear, this episode... Uh, it was jam-packed. I hope you liked it. You might listen to it a couple times just so you can really let it all soak in. I'm sure there's probably things you missed the first time around because there always is. And I will see you next week with a brand new episode. It's a little bit of a special episode. I'm going to be in the hot seat. I'm going to be interviewed actually by my friend, Gemma, who is a documentary filmmaker. And I couldn't think of a better person to interview me about my book that will be coming out. I feel a little weird saying that, but I'm gonna talk about that more next week. Anyways, because the book will be available. So I'm super, super excited. And just make sure if you want all those pre-order goodies that you uh, get the book before the 17th. So the 16th is a deadline so that you can do that. All right, my dear. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.